Hebrews chapter 13. I'm so thankful for the presence of God. The presence of God is refreshing, amen? Uh, folks, I want to tell you something. God is much more than a feeling, but I'm thankful that you can feel God. He's the sovereign God of the universe, and He's much more than, than just the feeling that we have, but man, He wants to ex us to experience Him. And when you get in the presence of God with the people of God singing the praises of God, uh, there's nothing like it. It's just like a little bit of heaven here on earth. I don't know about you, but I like singing about God's faithfulness. I like singing about the love of God. I like singing about Him doing for me what only He can do. He's worthy of our praise. He's the only one worthy of our worship. And so it's an honor to praise Him this morning. And I want to thank you uh, for lifting up your voices and singing praise unto the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that um, God is faithful. We sang a lot about that this morning. I love that song, singing about the faithfulness of God. This morning I got up and when I woke up, I wasn't looking at the, at the sky. I was looking at my ceiling. My point being, I woke up with a roof over my head. You know why that is? Because God's faithful. I got up this morning, went into my kitchen, and had to, when I opened up my, my cabinets, I had to watch out because it was so full of food, they was about to fall out every time I would start and trying to open up. Let me tell you why that is. Because God is faithful. I woke up next to a, God, a, a, a loving wife who loves me and loves Jesus, and because she loves Jesus, she knows how to love me and loves our kids. And Folks, you know why that is? Because God is faithful. I got three healthy babies this morning. And I'm so thankful for each and every one of them. God has blessed me with a lot of blessings. But my three greatest blessings call me daddy. And I want you to know that is true because God is faithful. So if you believe that God is faithful this morning, say amen. He's faithful to me. He's faithful to you. He is worthy of our praise. The Bible says his faithfulness reaches to the heavens. He gives us what we do not deserve by his grace and his mercy. And I'm so very thankful for that today. In Hebrews chapter number 13, uh, excuse me, did I say 13? Go back to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Flip back one page. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to be looking there at verse number 2. Uh, just one verse I'm going to look at first, and then we're going to go many different places. And I'm not going to ask you to turn everywhere, but I do want you to write down the scriptures that I give. Go back this week in your quiet time and read them for yourself. I want the Word of God to get a hold of your life. And so uh, re remember to do that, but I am going to be skipping around quite a bit. The Lord's put something on my heart that I've just got to share with you. Listen to what it says here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. Looking unto Jesus. Everybody say, looking unto Jesus. Watch this. The author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now watch this. Despising the shame and is sit down at the right hand of the throne of Almighty God. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for what you've done in my life. I want to thank you for your presence that's already been felt in this service. And Lord, that's what we want. That's what we need. The manifest presence of God in our midst. We know with that lives can be changed. Lord, I can preach truth, but only you can impart truth to the hearer. So Holy Spirit, I'm praying right now that you make the truth of your word real to everybody in attendance this morning. I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that 
that you would move me behind the cross completely out of the way and use me, Lord, so that I might be able to do what you've called me to do. Lord, I can do nothing in and of myself. I am nothing without you. But, Lord, through you, all things are possible. I know that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think, and you do that according to the power that works in us. Lord, I believe it this morning, and I'm praying that you do it in me, that, Father, you would be with me in this presentation as you've been with me in my preparation. God, I want to thank you for who you are, for what you've done in my life, for the words you've given me, and by your power, speak to me and speak through me. Fill me up and pour me out into the lives of these people this morning, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. This morning, folks, I want to talk to you about what Jesus does. I want to fix our eyes on Christ. I want to look unto Jesus, just like the scripture says there in Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to see what he does in my life and what he does in your life and what he does in the lives of every person that chooses to follow him. Now, a few years ago, many of you may remember this, there was a very popular bracelet that became popular among followers of Christ. Some of you may have had one, you may still have one, but uh, I guess about 15, 20 years ago, they came out with that bracelet that said, WWJD. Raise your hand if you remember those WWJD bracelets. Yeah, I think I've got a few at home somewhere, and I always liked the WWJD bracelets. And what that stood for, for those of you who don't know, is what would Jesus do? And I think that's a good th uh, question that we need to ask ourselves as believers as we're living out our life daily. What would Jesus do in this situation or in that situation? What path do I need to take here? Do I need to go here or there? What would be pleasing unto the Lord throughout my day-to-day -day life. Now, folks, I think that's a good thing for us to remember. I think that was a great concept, a good idea uh, to come up with. But for the believer, we know there is much more uh, at play here than just a bracelet on the wrist. We know the Holy Spirit of God lead guides and directs us if we'll allow him to so that we will know what Jesus would want us to do. This morning, I don't want to just talk about what Jesus would do, but more importantly, I want to talk to, you, talk to you about what Jesus does in the life of a believer. What he does for me, what he does for you. And so this morning, I've got four points that I want to make to you. I want to tell you that Jesus saves this morning. If you believe it, say amen. I want to tell you that Jesus sanctifies this morning. If you believe it, say amen. I want to tell you that Jesus enables us to serve this morning. If you believe it, say amen. And I want to tell you that Jesus seals us this morning. These are the four things we're going to look at. First of all, let's see what the Bible says about Jesus saving. Now, there's an old hymn, book, hymn song that we used to sing that um, I looked up in one of our older hymn books this morning. Some of you may remember this. It's actually, the song's actually called Jesus Saves. Now, I'm not going to sing it to you. That certainly wouldn't be a blessing to anybody. But I do want to read it to you because, boy, there is some truth packed in here uh, that is life-changing. Listen to what the, the writer says. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land, climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward tis the Lord's command, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. 
Wafted on the rolling tide, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Tell to sinners far and wide, praise God, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Why do we go across the street and around the world preaching the glorious gospel? Because we want to tell every man, woman, boy, and girl that we come in contact with that Jesus saves. Can you say amen? Look at this right here. I love this next part. Earth shall keep her jubilee, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing above the battle strife, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. By his death and endless life, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing it softly through the gloom when the heart for mercy craves. Sing in triumph or the tomb. Praise God. How many of you know because of what Jesus has done for me, I've been given victory over death, hell, and the grave. We have victory or the tomb because Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Look at this last verse. Give the winds a mighty voice. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free. Highest hills and deepest caves. This our song of victory. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus saves. If there's one message that I want to preach with my last dying breath, it's Jesus saves, Jesus saves. If I could stand on the rooftops and shout it to the world, I want to shout the message, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Why? Because it's truth. Jesus does save. Jesus can save. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. Listen to me. The blood of Christ is able to cover a multitude of sins. Whoever you are, Jesus saves. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus saves today. Now this is powerful. This word is powerful that I just read to you because it finds its foundation in this word. Why do we know Jesus saves? Why do we believe Jesus saves? Because listen to what the Bible says. Everybody take your Bibles. Flip over there with me to Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter 4, Peter says it like this, verse number 12. Peter and John have just by the power of God healed a man at the gate of the temple. And the religious crowd got mad about it. Isn't it funny that when God starts doing a work, people start getting saved, lives start getting changed. Listen, God starts doing what only God can do. The religious crowd always get mad about it. If you're getting mad because God's doing a work, you're the problem. Maybe God needs to work on you. That's what was happening right here in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12. Peter stands up, the Bible says, in the boldness of the Holy Spirit. And listen how he puts it. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other name given in this earth, past, present, or future, that can bring salvation other than the name of Jesus. See, what Peter is saying is, the only way any of us are going to get saved is if we get saved by trusting in the finished work of Christ. Not only did Peter say that, but Jesus said it as well. John chapter 14, verse number 6. If you want a scripture verse to memorize, you can start with John 14, 6. Man, that's a good one. We all need to get a hold of that truth. Jesus said to his disciples then and to his disciples now, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. 
And listen, no man can come to the Father but by me. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus does say in that verse, but also notice what he doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, I am a way, a truth, or a life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That means he leaves no gray area. He leaves no wiggle room. Jesus says, if you're going to know the way to heaven, you're going to have to know me because I am the way. He says, if you're going to understand truth that brings freedom in your life, you've got to know me for I am the truth. I was in Brother Nathan's Sunday school class just a few weeks ago, and that brother said something that blessed my heart. He said that we can know truth. He said that we can live for truth. He said we can love truth because truth is a person. Praise God. Truth is a person. Truth is Jesus. He is the truth. And if you're going to know the truth that sets you free, you've got to know him. And the Bible also says that he is the life. If you're going to receive the gift of salvation that gives you eternal life, which is abundant life, you've got to know Jesus because he's the life. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. You ain't going to find the way through the teachings of Muhammad. You ain't going to find the way through the teachings of Gandhi. You're not going to find the way through the teaching of Buddha. You find the way through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He is our Savior. And if He is our Savior, that must mean we need saving. So what does He save us from? What does it mean to be saved? Well, first of all, I'll give you three things. First of all, He saves us from sin. If you believe it, say amen. He saves us from sin, for sin is that which separates us from God. God is holy, righteous, and just. The Bible says we are unrighteous, unholy, and unjust. The Bible says in our sinful state, not having a relationship with Jesus, lost and undone, we are the enemies of God. The Bible tells us that, Romans chapter 5. Now listen to me, folks. If there's one person that I don't want to be on the bad side of, it's the omnipotent, all-powerful God of the universe who spoke creation into existence. And the Bible says, apart from Christ, I am his enemy. Without a relationship with Jesus in my lost state, I am his enemy. Because of my sin, I am separated from God. So Jesus came to save us from our sin. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. He said in Luke chapter 5, verse number 32, Jesus said, I didn't come to save the righteous. I come to call the sinner under repentance. Praise the Lord. Jesus came to take away that which separated you from God the Father. Making himself the way. Making himself the truth. Making himself the reason we can receive eternal life, abundant life, a life of peace and power and purpose. Jesus saves us from sin. Sin, the Bible says, becomes our master. If we don't have a right relationship with Jesus... We are in bondage to sin. John chapter 8, verse number 34, Jesus said, Whoever commits sin becomes the servant or the slave to sin. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but I know what that was like. I used to be there. I was a slave to sin. The cares of this world had become the master of my life. There were some strongholds that had a stranglehold on me that I couldn't shake. Now, this morning, I want to be completely transparent with you, but I also want to say this before I tell you what I'm fixing. I don't want to ever give glory to my old lifestyle. 
And that's not what I'm doing by what I'm fixing to tell you. I'm just telling you for the point of this that I'm making here. Listen, I know what it's like to be a slave to sin. See, there was a time in my life when I would have never dreamed I would have been standing in Mount Zion Baptist Church preaching to you this morning. I want to tell you that there was a time in my life when I could not function throughout the day if I didn't have some kind of chemical uh, going through my body. I couldn't do it. I mean, listen, folks, if I didn't have a pill to take or a line to snort or a joint to smoke, I wouldn't get up and go to work in the morning. I didn't feel like I could function without that stuff. And that, listen, those things, those cares, those strongholds had a stranglehold on me, and I could not break it. They became my master. And all the time, Satan was lying to me. Because in my mind, I thought, I'm going to do what I want to do, how I want to do it. I'm not going to let anybody tell me how I'm going to live my life. And I thought I was free. But my freedom was false. I was bound up and bound down by the sin that had control of my life. It became my master. But praise God. Praise the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus said in John 8, 32, If you continue in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Jesus said, John 8, 36, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I like freedom. I like liberty. The Bible says where the Spirit of God is, there's liberty. Now I can be what God wants me to be. Listen, before I met Jesus, all I could do was live a lifestyle of sin. But now by the power of God, He has purpose for me. Now, He listen, He gives me His power and enables me to be what He wants. Now I can make a difference, a real difference for the kingdom of God that will last throughout all eternity. I like freedom. How about you? Have you experienced freedom? Because that's what he's offering. He saves us from sin. You say, well, Brother Israel, I mean, I never had a drug problem like you've got. I, I never went, or like you had. I, I, never, I, I never went through the thing. Well, that's okay. See, that's just my stuff. I'm just telling you about my stuff. You've got some stuff too. See, some of you had a filthy mouth. God can clean that up. Some of you got a filthy mind. God can clean that up. Some of you got a gossiping tongue. God can clean that up. Amen. Whatever your stuff is, God can clean that up. He saves us from sin. Amen. Let me tell you what else He saves us from self. He saves us from self. Let me tell you what I figured out. Folks, I am most of the time my own worst enemy. How about you? Now, don't get me wrong. Because we live in a in a fallen world, thereby full of fallen people. We live in a sinful world full of sinful people. As long as that's the case, we're going to have to deal with knuckleheads. Y'all know that, don't you? I mean, sometimes you deal with knuckleheads at your workplace. Anybody else? Sometimes you're going to deal with some knuckleheads in traffic. Praise God. I'm going to tell you something. I don't agree with road rage, but I understand it. 
I'm just saying, you're going to deal with knuckleheads sometimes in your home. You're going to deal with knuckleheads at the ball game. You're going to deal with some knuckleheads down to the grocery store. You're going to deal with knuckleheads sometimes in church. But now let me tell you what I figured out. Most of the time, I'm the knucklehead. If I really think about it. Most of the time, it's not everybody else that's the problem. I find most of the time, it's me that's the problem. And I find that if I go ahead and work on myself, my relationship with everybody else tends to work itself out. Gets better. Or at least I can walk in forgiveness and love them in spite of them being a knucklehead. Amen. But Jesus saves me from myself. John Newton said something I love. Watch how he puts this. He said, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be. But still, praise God, I am not what I used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. Do you get that? I'm not what I ought to be yet. I'm not what I want to be yet. This is a growing process for me. And how do you know it's a growing process for you? If you've trusted in Jesus and you're still on this earth, that means God's not finished with you yet. Everybody do this. If you can still do that, you still got growing room. If you couldn't do that, then God would be done with you and you'd already be in heaven. Amen. <laughs> so you've got growing room and i got growing room and I'm not what I ought to be and I'm not what I want to be, but praise God, I'm not what I used to be. There is a process that's taking place where I'm becoming more like Christ by His power. That process began at the moment I got saved. That process begins the moment you get saved. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took Him just a week to make the moon and the stars and the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars, but He's still working on me. And he's still working on you. And he saves us from ourself daily. That's why the Apostle Paul can say in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. <laughs> I die to the flesh so that I might live and walk in the Spirit. I say no to what the old man wants, what my old self wants, and I say yes to God. And it's a daily process. I'm going to tell you something. You make a conscious decision every day whether to walk in the, in the flesh or the spirit. You do. You have control over how you think. And because you have control over how you think, you have control over what you do. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, so if you've got stinking thinking, you better get to thinking right because it's going to change your life. If you've got stinking thinking, you're going to have a stinking life that stinks to high heaven to the God who saved you if you have been saved. Amen? So he saves us from ourselves. Romans chapter 6 says that we are to reckon ourselves dead to the flesh. Buried with Christ. So that just as he was raised again to walk in the newness of life, we can also walk in the newness of life. 
I'm going to preach that message to you June the 23rd. June the 23rd, we're going to talk about baptism because that's Baptism Sunday. We're going to talk about what all that means. But you can go look at it in the meantime. In Romans chapter 6, we, he saves us from our old self. He saves us from sin. Let me tell you something else. He saves us from spiritual deadness. And I love this one. And pretty much what I want to do is just let the word of God speak for itself. Ephesians chapter number 1. Everybody turn there. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter number 2. And verse number 1. He gives us one verse, verse number 1. And then it's almost like for the rest of chapter 2. He spends time explaining how verse number one is possible. And you're talking about a power-packed text of Scripture. My goodness. We could preach for a year on Ephesians 2 and still not get done with it. But look what it says. Ephesians 2 and 1. And you hath he quickened. Now let me ask you something, class. What's it mean to be quickened? Amen. Somebody say that with me. To be made alive. He's speaking to the child of God and he says to them who have been born again, who have been saved, he says, and you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Let me ask you something. What's dead men do? Nothing. Dead, dead things do nothing. I've been passing a dead squirrel on my way home, on my road over there, Robert's Road. You know what? For the last three weeks, I've seen that same squirrel laid in the same place. Let me tell you why. Because dead things do nothing. Don't do nothing. And let me tell you something. You can do nothing that is effective. You can do nothing for the kingdom of God. You can do nothing if you are spiritually dead. You have to be made alive. And you and I are made alive by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus. Amen. He makes us alive to spiritual things. John 3.32 says, He who has the Son hath life, and he who hath not the Son hath not life. So you have to be made alive from your spiritual deadness and that happens through trusting in the finished work of Christ. Now once that takes place, a lot of good stuff happens. Alright? Let's skip down from verse 1. and All of that's good right there, but go on down to verse number 11. Because it shows us our helpless, hopeless state without Jesus and then it tells us who we are in Jesus. Listen how he puts this. Ephesians 2 and 11. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands that at that time, watch this now, ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope hope and without God in the world that's where I were and was and that's where you were as well and if you haven't yet trusted in Jesus and been saved that's where you still are you are without God in this world and you have no hope that is a hopeless helpless place to be that's why I empathize and sympathize with those who don't know the Lord It's good to know Jesus. Let me tell you why. 
I'm glad I'm going to heaven. I'm thankful I'm getting to go to heaven. Folks, listen to me. I'm living now. Jesus is with me now. And he helps me now to be the husband God wants me to be, to be the father God wants me to be, to be the witness God wants me to be, to be the pastor God wants me to be, to live my life pleasing to him now. He gives me joy now. He gives me peace now. He gives me, listen, a spirit of patience now. He gives me a spirit of self-control now. All of those fruits of the Spirit are available to me now. I can live a life now that means something. I can live a life now that I'm excited about living. I love what Billy Graham once said. He said, you mean I get all this in heaven too? He's right. Heaven is just icing on the cake. He's with me now. I'm no longer hopeless. I'm no longer helpless. I'm no longer alone. It's like we sang about a moment ago. I'm no longer fearful. He's not giving me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's not giving me the spirit of bondage again to fear, but he has given me the spirit of adoption whereby I cry of a father. Romans 8, 15. He is now my daddy God. I can come to him with anything I have. Let me tell you why. Because he'll do stuff for his kids he won't do for nobody else. Parents, y'all know how that is, don't you? Yesterday, I was tired, man. I don't know what the deal, I don't know what it was. I was just give out yesterday evening. All I wanted to do was lay in the recliner. That's all. I was laying there in the recliner about half asleep. Little Ella Grace come running through the door and said, Daddy, I'm going to ride the four-wheeler. I said, what? She said, I want to go ride the four-wheeler. I said, no, baby, not right now. I'm, I'm tired, man. I'm so sleepy. She said, Daddy, you remember last night? Because I was sleepy the night last night. <laughs> and I was sitting in the recliner, and she came to me and said, no, Daddy, I want to go ride the four-wheeler. I said, well, wait till tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. We're going to ride a lot tomorrow. Let Daddy rest up. We'll ride a lot tomorrow. So I kept laying there. In the, that was Friday night. I kept laying there Friday night and got my little nap in. Next, now, Saturday, she come back again. Daddy, let's ride the four-wheeler. No, baby, I'm tired. Let Daddy rest a minute. No, no, you just said... Last night, we was going to ride the four-wheeler. And I sat there for a minute, and I tried to ignore her and thought she might let it go if I closed my eyes and act like I was asleep. And so she gets right down over me, grabs my eyelids, pulls them apart so she's looking dead in my eyes. She said, Daddy, let's go ride the (laughs) four-wheeler. Let me tell you what I did. I got up and went riding the four-wheeler. You may tell you why. I'll do stuff for my kids I won't do for nobody else. God does stuff for his kids. He don't do for nobody else. He's your daddy God. He's with you now. And we need to do just what little Ellie Grace did. I'd promised her the night before we was going to ride the four-wheeler, so she started claiming some promises. She started holding on to something. And then she started bringing it back to Daddy. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to get a hold of the promises of the Word of God then bring it back to Daddy. Hey, he's told me he'll never leave me and never forsake me. So guess what? I remind him of that regular. Lord, you told me you ain't never going to leave me. You ain't never going to forsake me. I don't know what's going on at Mount Zion Baptist Church. I can't fix it. I know you can. I'm, this is bigger than me, but it's not bigger than you. So I'm trusting in you. You ain't going to leave me. You ain't going to forsake me. You promised me that. And God just keeps on fulfilling his promise.
My money gets funny. My change gets strange. At the end of the month, the ends don't meet. They just wave at each other as they pass. <laughs> you know what I say? Philippians 4, 19, God, you told me you shall supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. Lord, you're writing my checks, not according to my bank account, but yours. You told me. I'm, I'm trusting in it. That's just like little Ellie Grace. She got a hold of a promise and she claimed it. We need to get a hold of some promises and claim it. Bring it back to him. He's with us now. God, I, cannot, I want you to get a hold of that. Because I feel like so many times we just keep waiting on heaven. Waiting for the sweet by and by. How about experience a little bit of heaven now? Salvation is more about, listen, it's not as near as much about God getting you from earth into heaven. It's more about God coming from heaven to you in earth. It's amazing. Let's go on. I said I was just going to read it. I ain't read nothing. So let's look. Ephesians 2, 11, then it says at verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Whew. He saves us from sin. He saves us from self. He saves us from our spiritual deadness. Makes us new in Jesus. What time we got? Somebody give me some time. How much? It's time to quit. Y'all okay with that? We're going to quit tonight now, and I'm going to keep talking to you about what Jesus does tonight. And then we'll probably do some more next Sunday. But, man, Jesus does a lot. He does a lot. I'm so glad for it. Everybody stand together this morning. Now listen, this is your invitation. That means I'm inviting you to do business with God. I'm inviting you to do what... Uh, listen, only you can do. You need to make the decision to be submissive to God's will for your life. I don't know what that looks like for you. If you're here today and you've not yet been saved, I'm telling you, Jesus saves. Everybody say it with me. Jesus, thank you. Jesus saves. If you need to be saved today, oh, listen, he's still in the saving business. I cannot save you. I cannot save you. Being in a church house cannot save you. Walking an aisle cannot save you. It can't. But I can show you in the word of God what it means to be born again. To be saved. Without him you have no hope. Cannot claim the promises of God. Ain't that what Ephesians chapter 2 just told us? Because of his shed blood, we can be made nigh to God if we'll only trust in his finished work. Come this morning and get saved if you need to get saved. Now listen, if you are saved, God's got purpose for you. He saved you for a reason. Are you fulfilling the purpose for which you've been saved? If not, if you're not living as a child of God in the will of God, you're the most miserable human being on the face of the earth. I know because I've been there. So today, 
The Bible says if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, verse number 9, 1 John 1, 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. When John wrote that, he wrote it to the church. He wrote it to believers. So he says even as a believer, we can still get, have trouble with sin because we're still in this flesh. But when you have trouble with sin in this flesh, God is faithful to forgive you if you'll confess it. And to confess just simply means to come into agreement with God. If that's what you need to do today, you need to rededicate your life and get right with the Lord as a saved person. Do that today. You want to join this church? God spoke to your heart and you know this is where God wants you to be? Do that today. You need to be baptized? We're going to baptize in two or three weeks. June the 23rd, man. I hope we got to wire this baptistry out and get another one. That's my plan. We got to get rid of this one in at least five years. I want to wear it. Slam out. Five years, we'll get us another one. I'm just saying, folks, be submissive to God's will. Oh, He loves you. Just like a father loves his children. Don't wait today, you come. Whatever you need, brother, play for us.